You're listening to the Third Down Squad Podcast, the best international news podcast for the National Football League. We're your hosts, Derek, Josh, and Toby. Let's get you ready for a new set of downs on Sunday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Third Down Squad Podcast. We are now in week two of the NFL playoffs. We are now in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Last week was full of a bunch of exciting games, almost every single one of them coming down to a one-score game. So if you were looking for some action and some close games, you certainly got it. And we will be now recapping those games now. So we all had a really rough week predicting these games. Uh, Josh actually came out the superior one this last week. He had first two try. games. First try. Yeah, it's his first time he's ever actually beaten us in a week. Or no, that's not true. He beat us one week during the regular season, and the rest of the time, Toby and I beat him. So he's got wasn't one on us. Wasn't that the Denver game? I, remember that Denver? Wasn't it that Denver game? Yeah, it was the Denver one that you yep. uh, picked over all of us. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, uh, we're gonna go down to. And I'm just going to say this for disclaimer for anyone that listens. I have a cold. So if I'm sniffling a little bit or if I'm uh, coughing, I sincerely apologize. I'm going to try my best to keep myself from doing that too much. But anyway, I will just try to avoid my mic when I do that. But anyway, we're going to go into the first game of the last week of the NFL playoffs that I unfortunately did not get to watch until the very end because I was at, an, at a conference all day, so I couldn't get to do that. But it was the Buffalo Bills versus the Houston Texans, where this game went into overtime, and the Texans were able to pull out the last-second victory behind Deshaun Watson's uh, pivotal second-half performance, and the magician-like moves continue with him, and Texans were able to pull it out in their home stadium, and unfortunately for the Bills, who came out insanely strong in the first half, were not able to do anything with that and were unfortunately fell. So, Toby, we're going to start with you here. What were your thoughts on this game? Uh, well, in uh, uh, the first half, we saw a pretty good uh, Buffalo Bills team. Um Josh Allen actually had a pretty good game. Of course, he had that touchdown reception from uh, John Brown. Uh, nice trick play there. Um, but, yeah, on the other side of the ball, the Texans couldn't really do anything against uh, a strong Buffalo Bills defense. So going into the half at 13 nothing for the Bills, it I didn't expect to be that clear. At that point of the game, I expected Houston to do a lot more, especially with Deshaun Watson and uh, Hopkins. But in the second half, it already started off kind of odd with the, well, what was ruled to be a fair catch. Um, If you follow me on Twitter, you know I highly disagree with that decision because just pulling your arms out, it's not a fair catch signal or anything. you got to... Uh, touch the knee in the end zone, uh, the or the ground with your knee in the t- uh, in the end zone to, for it to be a touchback, which he didn't do. Um, but I gotta correct myself from my tweet that the initial ruling by the refs was correct. Um, 
which was a touchdown. They reversed it after um, kind of conferring with the, um, yeah, not really the side judge, but I don't know what to, uh, to call the guy that came onto the field, kind of the, I don't know, Josh, uh, have you watched the game? Yeah, I watched it. I watched uh, that part. What what, because, what was that uh, ref that came onto the field? I'm I'm not sure what that. I think it was the side judge, for the chains. I I, I think it could because he didn't wear any uniform. It was just a a, a black NFL jacket. Because I have never seen a non-ref come on the field, so yeah. I'm not sure what that the the roll off that guy was. Um, maybe anybody that is listening or watching on YouTube knows what that role of that guy was and can let us know in the comments because apparently all of us are not sure about that. But um, back to my point that uh, I want to revert from my statement that it was a touchdown because thanks to a comment on Twitter, I kind of rewatched it again and since it was a kickoff return and the guy tossed the ball forwards it should have been an illegal forward pass resulting in a safety uh, for the Bills and the Bills should have gotten the next possession uh, from a punt so uh, they actually didn't deduct uh, six points off the Bills it was two points and an extra possession so could have been even more and I think that was the, the one part that kind of gave the momentum to the Texans and you saw that in the second half um, the Texans came out stronger you had a couple of great plays especially that um, two player tackle at the end uh, or at the beginning of the fourth quarter I, I believe it was uh, that Deshaun Watson got out of uh, with a great uh, awareness in the pocket and on the other side you had Josh Allen kind of reverting to his 2018 self not being able to connect on one single pass, I believe. Um, all that I saw was incomplete passes, inaccurate passes, not throwing any passes at all and just giving up a sack or, yeah, basically playing like he never threw a football in his life in a playoff game. So <clears throat> at the end... Uh, the Bills did a good job to kind of getting the game into overtime, but in the end, the Texans in the second half in overtime was just too strong. Josh, your thoughts? Um, this really showed you the power of momentum, and it really swung into the favor of the Texans after that first J.J. Watt sack. And you could really feel it, too, because after that, the uh, Bills could only kick field goals from then on until the until uh, yeah pretty much till the end of the game. This kind of like I was telling you, Derek. I said at the beginning of this game, it looked like that the uh, Texans never show up in the playoffs. You know, like they're only a regular season team. But something changed, and and like I said, I'll keep pointing back to it. It was the J.J. Uh, Watt sack on Josh Allen. And speaking of Josh Allen, I'd say for his first time in a playoff game, he did all right, you know. It was probably just a lot of nerves, but I don't know what that whole uh, throwing it back behind you when you got sacked kind of thing going on with like a minute 14 left in the game. 
I don't know what that was all about. But uh, is is Deshaun Watson really that good, or are the Bills really that bad at sacking quarterbacks? Because it looks like a mixture of both. And I mean, the Bills had this game won numerous times, but it looked like they did not want to win that game. Like they wanted to go home, like a peewee, like soccer team that made all the way to the tournament, and they're just, you know, they don't want to win a championship. They're just done. And it really showed that they can make it, but it's all mental for the Bills. It's all like all those mental mistakes and just looking like they don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, that's what I got from that game. Yeah, you guys pretty much covered everything there. I did not get to watch this game, unfortunately, that much, except for the last few minutes into overtime. So I don't have much to really comment on it. And you guys pretty much covered everything for there. So not much for really me to talk about there. But this next game, I did get to watch. And this one I will have an, uh, an opinion on for sure. The next one was the upset some people say was the upset of the weekend the saturday night game between the tennessee titans and the new england patriots so it did not snowstorm like toby and i originally thought might happen uh, it was cold but certainly wasn't any bad conditions by the looks of it but the titans from the very beginning of this game controlled every facet of this game both in the running game and on defense as well Derrick Henry looked like a man amongst boys out there uh, rushing in the first half for nine yards a carry in the first half. Uh, he was just a pure dominating uh, control freak in that first half and was still doing it in the second. Uh, that's ultimately how the Titans won this game, a very low-scoring game where they dominated time of possession. And fortunately, their one turnover that they had did not cost them the game in the end of it all. So thankfully for that, for them, uh, Titans just, again, were kind of played the Patriots game here where they had, you know, Tannehill playing at a, an average level, doing enough to win, just nothing to really lose them the game, running it through Derrick Henry, who the Patriots could not stop all game long. And then the Patriots could not get anything in sync offensively. Because, you know, we kind of forget that Tennessee Titans defense is very fast and they are very quick in the back end, too. So it made it very difficult for the Patriots, who are obviously still struggling because they have very limited options at wide receiver. And obviously Tom Brady getting up there in age, it's starting to get worse for him now. So Titans had a game plan. They executed it and they are moving on to the second round. So Congrats to them. Uh, Josh, what were your thoughts on this game? All right. I, I'm going to say this now. I know that during the beginning of this year when we came up with our season things, I thought Mariota was going to be the quarterback and they'd have a sucky seat. I take it all back. I know I'm a Colts fan. I give you Titans fans a lot of crap, but your team is probably the most complete team in the playoffs right now after all that's been done. And the best running back in the league uh, and Derrick Henry and the guy that won me the family championship I will show you the title belt in a little bit I made for myself uh, yeah he was a uh, pretty uh, pretty solid performance and like you said Derek, the Titans dominated every facet of that game you, you hit the nail right on the head because 
I guess it all revolves around Derrick Henry. He bullied that great New England defense that was top-notch all throughout the year. I mean, he is the tallest running back in the league right now, like 6'4", or something like that as a running he's back. Six, he's 6'3". Six, 6'3", yeah. Six, six, three, three, yeah. yeah. So he's the tallest running back in the league. And he showed you what true power running is, making men on that defense look like boys. And in regards to the Patriots side, I think they're getting the Alabama syndrome where you keep losing, you know, talent that wants to get paid that Belichick's not paying them. You know, your offensive defense corners keep getting new jobs because you keep winning. Ultimately, that's what caught up with New England this year. And I know that they really didn't have a solid offensive scheme in regards to wide receivers. I don't know why you'd get Muhammad Sanu for like a second rounder. I think he's more of a third, in my opinion, but that's that's a debate for a later time. And is it just me or did the running game look like it wasn't there, that game? Like there was no New England running game. To help Tom Brady there out. really yeah. hasn't been much of one all season. Yeah. I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the year when their schedule was better, they they could run the ball. But in the last half, just like the rest of their offense, they really couldn't get anything consistently going. Yeah, and this just proves how important Rob Gronkowski was to that offense. And I know that some people would say if he re- set his retirement early, they could have gotten Cook, you know, for a tight end, but. Tom Brady only has Julian Edelman he can trust out there. Everybody else, it's up to them to get to the football. And I don't think age has something to do with it. I think it's having a lack of wide receivers that made his stats look like this this year. Do I think and uh, do I think he's, you know, old? Well, kind of, but he has the face of a god if you look at it. So that's my opinion on it. I just know that the Titans are going to make it pretty far. And I'll explain why later. And before I let Toby get into this, uh, GM was asked about the if it, the importantness of passing. Uh, it's important to note that in these playoffs right now, five of the top ten best rushing offenses in all of football are in these ne- are playing this weekend. And that's the Vikings, the 49ers, the Titans and the Ravens, and the Packers. All five of those teams have top seven or eight rushing attacks. That's actually pivotal because none of those teams other than the Chiefs and necessarily the Seahawks right now, none of them have top passing offenses, which, you know, it's kind of contrary to what is popular belief that the passing offenses run the show where in these playoffs you're seeing the importance of being able to run the football. Uh, we kind of, I've kind of had that belief that the running game is very important late in the season when passing offenses fail you. But again, I've taken enough time from Toby. Toby, what were your thoughts on this one? I mean, Josh covered uh, already covered a bunch of it. Um, I gotta agree with him that the Patriots needed wide receivers in that game. But um, I think um, what would make this team better even without a wide receiver would be a better uh, offensive line because as you said Josh they didn't really have a running game going or not even only in this game the entire season um and even with the 
uh, pressure that Tom Brady is under uh, a bunch of times in the games when you look at it. I think a little bit more protection from the offensive line uh, would help him a little bit to kind of have those couple of tenths more uh, to scan the field and hold the ball. Um, it also comes back to uh, Rob Gronkowski retiring because he was also a big part in blocking for Tom Brady in the running game. Um, he's, of course, missing because uh, Benjamin Watson, he's up there in age as well. He wasn't never really a blocking tight end, so... It's really that sixth guy in the offensive line that is missing for the Patriots and Tom Brady right now. Um, and uh, for the Titans, like Josh said, they're a really complete team. We've always said that the Titans have talent on their team. Um, the problem is you don't really know what team you're going to get with the Titans, especially with Marcus Mariota. And right now with uh, Tannehill as their quarterback, it was pretty consistent. And I know we bashed on Tannehill a bit on this podcast uh, since we're doing this, but, I mean, apparently it was just Miami's fault to not use him correctly because he's doing all right with the Titans. And uh, one thing I loved about this game is uh, the Titans actually out-coaching Bill Belichick, especially with those penalties to keep the clock going uh, on the punt. I, I love to see it. He out Belichick to Belichick. Yeah. Hey, keep in mind too, this Super Bowl is going to be the first Super Bowl since uh, the Ravens and Niners last time to not have Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger representing the AFC. Just yeah, remember that. They, yeah, over the last 20 years, there's only been four quarterbacks in the NFL that in the AFC that have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. And we're going to get a new person in there, whether it's Mahomes or it's uh Deshaun Watson or it's uh it's yeah uh Lamar Jackson and a few other names that I could think of or Tannehill of all things yeah. like do you imagine <laughs> Brian Tannehill being the starting quarterback to imagine Brian Tannehill game? being Super Bowl MVP at the end <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most funny thing ever I would put him in the MVP consideration so <laughs> What would you think of a Tannehill versus Cousins Super Bowl? Anybody oh see my that? God. Okay, look, 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 look. We're about to get into. All right, uh, segue. I Toby, did ask you have? Yeah, Toby, did you have any ask... other remarks? No, I'm done yeah. with Tennessee again. I'm going to ask him the question, Derek. Let me ask okay. him the question. Toby, was that a push off by Kyle Rudolph? Um, I I could see why you would call <laughs> it, but I I I actually I, I talked to Derek about it before we started recording here. And I mean, I'm okay with the decision that they didn't call it. I'm, if it was on the other side and Michael Thomas uh, caught that ball, I'd say, okay, you can't call it, but you don't call it because cause there was hand fighting by both guys in the end zone. So it wasn't just Kyle Rudolph. It's, it was. It was a mistake to put your small corner on a tight end that's towers over yeah the him. problem the problem is that uh at that point of the game Marshawn Lattimore was out with an injury Eli Apple didn't even uh uh start the game he was out for the entire game so there wasn't really a good option to put up uh against Kyle Rudolph so I mean all cornerbacks didn't play well in that game but in the end it was the best matchup at the point they could get on Kyle Rudolph, so 
Um, yeah, it's yeah. what you get. Yep. Um, yeah, and like I said, now we're going to segue into it. Uh, and for anyone that was wondering, uh, Josh was the only one that picked the Titans to win against the Patriots, and he got that one. So anyway, ah! the Saints and the Vikings. We all picked the Saints to win in this nail-biter, and unfortunately, we were all wrong. The Vikings went into the Superdome and were able to pull off the upset. A lot of controversial things in this game, but one thing that was non not controversial was the idea that the Vikings practically dominated in every facet of this game. Even though the game was closer than what it appeared, the Vikings definitely had the advantage in every aspect as well. Uh, Dalvin Cook ran the ball very effectively, and I believe it was that Stephon Diggs only had one target in this game by Kirk Cousins. Uh, a lot of people were shocked by that, but it it turned out to be the best thing for them. Uh, they were able to make things work even without Diggs performing. Uh, and then their defense were, was able to get a few stops. I remember tweeting at Toby in the first moment of the game, two plays in, the Saints already had a turnover uh, forced, and they were inside the 25-yard line. I'm like, you feeling good, Toby? I think we're feeling good. And sure enough, it was only a field goal, and then the Vikings immediately went down and made him pay. So it shows you how quick this momentum changed. And here's the thing that I want to say. We have, as long as the national media as well, uh, a lot of people have said that, you know, talked a lot of trash about Kirk Cousins, right? We've always said he's been a one week he looks like a absolutely god-awful quarterback the next week he looks like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl makes him around an average quarterback when you look at it from that point always viewed him as an above average qb i always thought you could win you could win uh championships with an above average quarterback as long as your team around him is good enough here's one thing you can't deny is is Kirk Cousins' leadership and how he's portrayed by his team. That dude is so loved by so much of the media. I know at the beginning of the year, we were all saying, oh, you know, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are throwing shade at Kirk Cousins because he wasn't playing well. And then, sure enough, right after that, Kirk Cousins seemed to just wake up and was automatically this amazing quarterback again. Uh, if you saw at the end of the game, I'm sure everyone did, saw how you know how uh hyped up his team was from his speech and everything else that dude's just a tremendous leader and a tremendous guy and a lot of people who say Diggs is an egotistical guy and such a diva when it comes to wide receivers uh there's a clip of him standing next uh to Kirk on the bench and he says uh don't feel like you have to force it to me just play your game and then just walks off like, you know, and it that's just kind of one of those things where, you know, it, it looks like his team is corralled around him now. I think they're starting to finally feel like a cohesive unit out there. And right now, with the way they played against the Saints, they look like they can compete with anyone right now with the way they're playing. So, uh, Josh asked the question already to Toby about was that a push-off. Uh, we let him answer. Uh, we're going to let him now answer to what uh, happened for his team 
outside of that uh, controversial call, uh, no call. So, Toby, uh, now that you've had a week to kind of break it down, what what happened for the Saints? Um, I, actually, I I don't know what happened to be honest. It, they kind of fell back into their ways how they played in. I'd say from 2014 to 2016, uh, in their three consecutive seven and nine seasons, where they had with a big margin the worst defense in the league, um, and plus that in this game they just didn't have any offense as well. And I I think a big part was the defensive scheme in. Uh, by the Vikings for this game because they put up their best defense, uh, defensive lineman on the inside line, uh, offensive lineman by the Saints, which isn't particularly their strength, uh, especially with Andrews Pete, who just sucked in this game. There's no other way to put it. It was they could have put nobody there, and it would have probably been better than putting Andrews Pete there in this game. Um, so. The Vikings were able to get a lot of pressure on Drew Brees, and it was not enough time for him to get the ball out. Um, so that's why you didn't see those accurate throws um, that you're used to by Drew Brees. He just didn't have the time to get comfortable um, and really nail down those targets. Uh, on the other hand, um, the Saints also didn't really get started on the uh, running game because, like I said, the Vikings exactly knew who to match up on their defensive line against which offensive linemen. They played out the weaknesses of the of the Saints perfectly. They stuffed the holes. There was nowhere to go for Elvin Kamara or Latavius Murray. Um, I saw a couple of Saints fans on uh, the Saints subreddit say the Saints should have done the same thing the Vikings did and established a run early in the game and just uh, run the ball down the throat. But how are you supposed to do that when you got a defender in every gap you have and you can't run outside that much because their linebackers are fast as well. So you're probably not going to get to the edge. Um, and on the defensive side, um, uh, I already said it with the with the last pass in overtime that the defense didn't look that well um the entire game of course there were a couple of turnovers forced by the saints especially the first one by janoris jenkins um i i saw that tweet too late uh derek in that game i didn't check my phone that entire game um so i i I wasn't really that excited about the turnover, to be honest, because I wanted to see what they can do about it. And seemed not, not really going forward after that and having to settle for three points there, it it already got me worried what's to come in that game because when the Saints start hot, it's going to be a good game. But when they're already struggling after getting the ball inside the opponent's 25 early in the game, it's it's hard to get going for the Saints. So... In the end, the Vikings just did their homework, did exactly what was what they needed to do. Uh, and I think Derek, you already said it. In the end, the score was really close, despite the fact that the Vikings so clearly dominated that game. And for the Saints to actually make it into overtime, 
the way they played, it was for me, it's already a miracle. All right, Josh, we kept you waiting long enough. What what were your thoughts? My thoughts were pretty much it just came down to the the running backs. That's really what it just came down to until like the final part of overtime because. For me, I think Dalvin Cook proved that he still is capable of playing in this league. I know given his injury history and all that, I when I first saw him back in Florida State, I believe, he looked like one of those uh, speed backs, you know, like a non-power back to me. But that's just the way they played it in Florida State. But now he's a – What games were you watching? The one where they <laughs> lost – the one where they lost to Oregon. That one. Oh, good lord. I was going to say, anyway. like, what games were you watching that homework, man? Anyway, it's just – he really showed that he hasn't missed a step with all those injuries he's taken. This is his first full season, and I think he deserves comeback player of the year by far mm-hmm. because he made a huge change to that offense uh, for the Vikings. And I know they also drafted a few uh, linemen too, like Bradbury – or the center, but uh, yeah, he's pretty much what made Kurt Cousins feel comfortable in that game because he knows he can give Dalvin Cook the ball, he gets seven yards, and he can throw it for three. Mm-hmm. Now, this game wouldn't have been so close if it wasn't for Taysom Hill on the Saints. He pretty much kept the Saints in that game the whole time, you know. And... You don't know how many memes I got of Taysom Hill on my timeline after this game, honestly. Yeah, because he pretty much stepped up when the Vikings neutralized Breeze and everybody else. And I think Sean Payton knew that, and I think the defense for the Vikings knew that too, that if we can neutralize Breeze, we can take a few hits from Taysom Hill. And apparently that game plan worked because they ended up uh, – Pretty much keeping Breeze to, like, what I believe to be a playoff low in passing yards. Wasn't it like, what, 146? Uh, 208. 208, yeah. Not really Drew Breeze numbers, but they're still enough. But, yeah, it made you rethink about how the Vikings actually being in the playoffs. That game did, yeah. Okay, can we just establish this right here now? Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. I want people to stop on the national broadcast level saying Taysom Hill as a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. I don't want to hear it anymore. Until he actually takes 10 throws a game at minimal, I do not want to hear any more that he's a quarterback. I don't care. I I want him as a flex on fantasy, yeah. He's like yeah. the discount token white guy from Walgreens. You just pulled off the street that's really athletic, and he just can do everything. That's literally all he is. Hey, he's more of a hey. wide receiver than he is a quarterback. At least Bill Polian still thinks he's a QB, unlike Lamar Jackson. Remember all that? Very true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bill yeah. Polian yeah, said he Bill Polian says, hey, he's still a quarterback, but he's doing the same thing as Lamar. <laughs> no, he's a quarterback. Lamar's just a running Lamar back that can throw. actually throws the ball 15 to 20 times a game, though. There's a difference. <laughs> um, all right, so we finished that. Uh, we're going to the last game here before we get into some of our other topics, and that was the Seahawks versus the Eagles where – the Eagles were certainly not flying high anymore after this game. Uh, Carson Wentz had to leave the game early due to a 
hit by Jadavian Clowney that was not flagged for targeting, even though it was the clear definition of the form targeting. But yet somehow, some way, never got a flag and never got ejected. Again, officials ruining the game again. I understand, you know, what else can you do when you don't fix the issue right there and then? Of course, you can't make a change when you, you don't do anything to begin with. Okay, I'm going to try to be calm here. Ugh. All right. Anyway, it kind of did uh, help with our prediction because we all picked the Seahawks to win this game. Uh, I think Toby and I were talking about it before the podcast that the, the Eagles probably could have won this game had Carson Wentz actually been in. Uh, for the Eagles, this whole season's been the same uh, as it was Saturday where uh, or Sunday where they had a injured Carson Wentz, no wide receivers, a Zach Ertz that was playing with a with broken ribs and a kidney that was lacerated the same way that Andrew Luck had it when he played. And when he played that game against the Broncos, uh, he had that going. So Zach Ertz was in serious pain and was still out there playing. Uh, the Eagles' cornerback group was still injured as could be. The injuries and just lack of production from everyone else besides that has been the story of the Eagles. It's quite tremendous that they were even able to be in this spot to begin with. But then again, when you play in the NFC least, that's to be expected. But anyway, uh, yep, Seahawks uh, did not necessarily take care of business, but they did win the game. Uh, regardless of anything, uh, certainly wasn't anything spectacular, but the Seahawks are moving on to this week's games. So, Josh, any input on this game at all? I think the only input I have is the who signed off on the hospital uh, forms to let the, the Eagles play. Oh, my gosh. They were all dropping like flies in that game. And then you got to start thinking, is Carson Wentz the next Andrew Luck? You know, is he? Because yeah. I can see it happening in two years. Two years, Carson Wentz is going to retire because he's just beat up. And you can get all you want on the offensive line to help. Get more wide, younger wide receivers. I mean, get another tight end. Help your quarterback because we did it too late. So yeah. do you Eagles fans out there, yell at the front office of the Eagles to say, get Wentz help. Because if not, he's going to be retired in two years like Andrew Luck and hating the game. You know, not having fun anymore. Mm -hmm. Because you hate to see it. You know, like, you, he's our franchise guy, you know? Well, in the NFL, what the NFL needs to do is they need to suspend Jadavian Clowney for that hit. Yeah. That was completely unacceptable. There's no reason that you should be at that angle going and aiming your crown of your helmet at Carson Wentz's head like that. I, I don't ever see a reason as to why you would do that. So they need to look into suspending him. But yeah, Toby. I mean, uh, Josh, like, you had something just, else to say. Yeah. yeah I was just... <clears throat> How would we be handling it if the Seahawks lost to the Eagles? You know, would we start to call into question the Seahawks as an organization, Russell Wilson for not getting past and injured, 
Eagles team because I'm surprised that DK Metcalf has actually turned into a almost a superstar of a wide receiver for the Seahawks. You know, mm-hmm. he came out of you know Ole Miss. We're like, okay, he's in the first round. Ended up going the second round. He's showing that he's a first round talent that got drafted in a second round. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's up to you. Toby has one of those on his team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he and can I, I mean, we we had him in our uh, mock drafts last year. We had DK Metcalf almost in every mock draft in the first round, so yeah. it it's not that surprising. But yeah, to yeah, I I gotta admit I did not watch the entire game. Um, it was just too late over here. But of course, that hit on uh, Carson Wentz. There is no place for that in the game, and I just saw a report earlier today that apparently Carson Wentz wasn't able to sit up straight after the hit. He had memory loss off that hit, so if that's not a suspension for Jadavian Clowney, I don't know what is. Um, and yeah, I I totally agree with Josh that if uh, stuff continues with Carson Wentz the way it does, he's probably gone in two or three years if not earlier um he just can't catch a break of course it's just unlucky it's almost all of his injuries came off uh situations where his teammates couldn't do anything his first acl tear when they won the super bowl was after a run when he ran, uh, ran in for or almost ran in for a touchdown this time with the hit of uh, from Jadamian Clowney it's just nothing an offensive line can do much about but yeah he also needs I mean I totally agree with what Josh said basically um, that they need younger wide receivers and more wide receivers and on the other side of the Seahawks they they looked okay I mean the 160 receiving yards by DK Metcalf they look impressive but as Josh already said, the secondary by the Eagles was injured a lot in that game. So you kind of put it into perspective here. And I mean, the Eagles, they, they held it to a one-point game. It was just 17-9. to So with a touchdown and a two-point conversion, they could still have tied the game up at the end. So with... Josh McCown as your quarterback for yeah almost the entire game it, it's not it's not really impressing of what the the Seahawks actually showed us in that game all right well we've gone through our uh recap of last week's game so now we can get into our main subjects for this week and obviously the biggest news coming in that the Dallas Cowboys have now officially hired their new head coach who is the former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy now everyone was kind of wondering uh what Mike McCarthy does bring to this Cowboys team so Toby will ask the question was this a good hire by Jerry Jones and the Cowboys to uh, to go from Jason Garrett to a potential upgrade and Mike McCarthy. Um, about five years ago, I would have said yes. 
um, after the last two or three years in Green Bay. I think Mike McCarthy isn't really... His style doesn't fit the modern NFL anymore of how you play the game. We had the free Aaron Jones movement last year coming from ESPN and Matthew Berry and all those because he just didn't run the ball at all with one of the best running backs in the league. That might be a problem for Seek Elliott. Hold on. All right, Derek got something. Josh, you are a dick. What? Did you see the Snapchat, Toby? No, I do not have my phone on my uh, desk right here, now. I got it right here. Please read and enjoy. Uh, if Hang your on. camera would focus, yeah. There it is. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone in the comment section, if you see it and you notice it and you think that's true, spam Caucasian Jay-Z in the chat, okay? Yeah, sorry for our Spotify <laughs> listeners. Um... <laughs> Josh, I it hate was you. Just a <laughs> That's the first bit of thing I for you. get on my phone. You are a dick. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. I can't unsee yep. it now either. I'm looking at it through my. Yep. Okay. I, right. I interrupted. I'm sorry, Toby. Go uh, ahead. All right. Um. Yeah. Coming back to what I was saying. Um. If he continues the the style that he played the last year in in Green Bay, um, it's not a good sign for Ezekiel Elliott, and that also, like we've mentioned it so much, it's also gonna affect Dak Prescott of how he plays when the running back uh, the running game is not there for the Cowboys. Um, so I I hope he can adjust his his play style a little bit to what he got in uh, in Dallas and I don't know if you heard the the story of uh that he lied to Jerry Jones in his interview actually today do you guys see that, that? No. um apparently Jerry Jones asked him uh if he saw every Cowboys play where he watched every Cowboys play off uh, this year's season and Mike McCarthy of course said yes he did and today in the uh uh, in a press conference, he admitted that he did not watch it. So he just said, um, yeah, I had to lie because I just wanted the job. So I said whatever I had to say to get the job. And right. so nobody really knows if, yeah, he's just bullshit or not. <laughs> or at least the media makes him out to be, okay, is this guy actually just talking bullshit right now? Right. So probably blown up. They got the masseuses waiting for him in Dallas to use. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Josh. uh, Got anything to add to that? Uh, Just one small thing. I just hope that this one year off actually allowed him to change his coaching style. Otherwise, the free Ezekiel Elliott movement is going to happen next year. If you yeah, want to be the uh, first one to have a t-shirt, we're going to have it in store probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, smart idea. Yeah, there you go. I, uh, I I think I could get one from my dad. I think my dad would appreciate that. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, I think most people are just going with the general consensus of, you know, Jason Garrett and his staff were never really great at 
adapting during games and changing calls and a few other things. They had a game plan set at the very beginning, and then after the first quarter, they seemed to throw it out the window. So you're, you're trying to think of what does Mike McCarthy, what did Mike McCarthy do for the Packers that he can bring to the Cowboys? Well, let's give credit where credit is due to this guy. He is a Super Bowl champion. He is a coach that has that playoff and Super Bowl experience. He knows what it's like. He can handle the pressure of leading a franchise and not to mention for a lot of his coaching career in Green Bay, he had to deal with Aaron Rodgers, who for most of his career has been the widely considered the most talented quarterback that had that anyone had ever seen throwing the football. And obviously we know Aaron Rodgers has got his own timetable of how he likes to do things and certain things like that. I think this is a great testament to find out if Mike McCarthy actually uh, was helping Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and in Green Bay because a lot of people thought, you know, it's it's Aaron Rodgers that's his immense talent and the way he's able to run the offense. It's Aaron Rodgers' team-led offense that's doing this, not Mike McCarthy. Well, now he's going to get a chance with one of the best running backs in the NFL a quarterback in Dak Prescott. He's going to have that offense that he's going to have to deal with, and they do have talent. We're just going to have to see how they work with it. And obviously, that defense on Dallas is relatively good if they stay healthy. Uh, I just think the difference in these two coaches is the fact that Mike McCarthy, I don't think, is a man that likes to step down from when players start to not show respect. I know Jason Garrett's been a kind of the puppet and he's, you know, not been, you know, very good about disciplining players and doing all this and that, but Mike McCarthy's a little bit of a different breed. Uh, he's, that's just how he is. So, you know, I, I can't wait to see what it is. I think it's definitely an upgrade. Uh, I, I like Toby mentioned how in the first year of, or in the last year of him coaching with Green Bay, obviously the offense got really stale and everything else. But I think that was just due to the feud that him and Aaron Rodgers were having, and it caused some rifts in that offense. It, we're we're going to see. We're going to see if their offense gets better. I mean, it's going to be ironic because people are going to state that the, the, the Dallas Cowboys going to the end of the regular season had the number one passing offense in the NFL when you look at it from a passing yards metric. They might go worse in yards metric when it comes to that, but might increase a little bit in running. The offense itself may not be as prolific as it was this year, but then they might still be better and more efficient in scoring, and yet people are going to probably say, oh, it's not as good, so that means they're not as... Uh, Mike McCarthy isn't as good as what we thought he was. But I, I think we just will have to wait a few games into the regular season to actually see it go forward. So we're going to move on from one team head coach to another. And we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. So uh, our friend Chase uh, texted Josh and I before this stating that there were down to three names potentially for this position. Uh, and I have the three names here. 
You got Josh McDaniels, Kevin Stefanski, and Brian Doball, the Bills OC. And he told me that the reports are that they're going to be reporting that here today, which is Friday, uh, or tomorrow, Saturday. So we're kind of assuming this weekend is when we're going to find out. Uh, basically, the big question here, uh, Josh, and we'll start with you because, you know, your family is a bunch of Browns fans. Uh, you've had probably a lot of discussions about this. Who will be the Browns' next head coach? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. McDaniels will leave out of nowhere, not telling anybody. So I, I think I'll rule him out. I knew it. Yeah. Honestly, as much as I keep saying that, I still think it's going to be McDaniels. Although I really do think it should have been the head co the offensive coordinator of the uh, Chiefs, who got who should have been cons at least you know probably to the final part of it. But you got to remember though, McDaniel's is the guy that drafted Tim Tebow, too. When you think about it, so you got to play your cards really carefully when it comes to these uh, coaches. But I do think it's going to be McDaniel's. He's got family. He's from Ohio. You know. And I think that there's enough talent for him to work with to change that organization. At least you're not going to be like the Giants who just uh, picked up some guy from like the uh, the uh, facility crew. Forget his name, Joe Judge, who was probably just sweeping up after a game, saying, "Hey, you work for the Patriots, right? Yeah. You want to come coach the Giants? Why him? I mean." usually to get a consideration you got to at least be like an offensive coordinator have prior head coaching abilities and i think he should have gotten more training like that because everybody like everybody was joking on the internet what's next the uh you know the browns are gonna draft or not sign mcdaniels but go for the guy that's selling hot dogs at, at gillette stadium just because the Patriots win Super Bowls doesn't mean they all have, like, the best coaching staff. I mean, McDaniels is the only one left under Belichick that can do it. So, I do think it's going to be McDaniels, though. I know I kind of went in circles there, but, Toby, you go. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, in the end, it's going to be Josh McDaniels. Um, I think they have a good shot with him right now with, uh, with right. the Patriots kind of tanking a little bit. Josh got something. This this is coming in. The Browns are down to McDaniels and Stefanski. It's down to those two now. Wait, I want to see who Chase said he thought was going to get it. Uh, yeah, Chase believes they're going to go with Stefanski. Now, I said that, you know, obviously Josh McDaniels had his interview today, and the fact that it's being reported that they were going to make that decision really soon kind of leads me to think they're going to choose McDaniels. Uh, and I agree with you you guys completely that uh, McDaniels is going to get it. Uh, Toby, if you had anything else to add to that. Uh, no, not really. I just think it's it's a good timing for getting someone from the Patriots coaching staff because, as we said, Patriots are not hot right now, not even knowing if Belichick will return next season because there are reports out there that Belichick might leave the Patriots. Oh, yeah, and just another quick thing. I know uh, for – because draft season's right around the corner. Uh, Alabama running back Najee Harris announces he will be returning to Alabama for senior season. 
So that's another running back that we can count off our boards for next season's draft. All right. All right. So y'all heard us. We thought McDaniels is going to end up being the head coach. We're going to find out here this weekend, most likely. So next topic and our last one before we get into our predictions, and that is which team we believe is on the biggest upset alert for this week. Now, I'm not insinuating this is your pick. I'm not insinuating that. What we're insinuating here is which team has the most likely chance to put their team on upset for this week. And I'll start with this one just because I think that we can do it here. Um, I think the one that could be the biggest one of them all, the biggest one, and seeing how this team likes to dominate the uh, the pressure, uh, the dominate the point of attack. Uh, and although this other team they're facing has one of the best rush defenses in the NFL, I think the Titans are that team that could potentially put the Baltimore Ravens on upset this week. And not to mention, uh, my friends and I were talking about it when we were talking during the Titans and the and the Patriots game. Football is a very repetitive sport. And when you haven't played it for almost three weeks, like the Ravens have, there's a difference in when you're playing against your practice squad when you're playing it against an actual opponent. Now, don't get me wrong, the Ravens are the more talented team and the better overall team when you look at it from every statistic, but the Titans have found a key on offense that they can move the ball, they can dominate time of possession, and their defense is very fast, and they can keep up with the speed of a Lamar Jackson at times. And the, the biggest thing is, is the Titans have played football recently. They, they just got done with a game last week. They're in football shape. They are in football speed. They kind of understand. I know Lamar Jackson gives a kind of anticipation you can't necessarily plan for, but it's different when you've played a whole week and you're on trying to understand football than when you haven't played for almost three weeks like the Ravens have. So... We're going to just have to see here if uh, the Titans can do it. I don't I don't know yet, but I'm saying that that one could be the biggest upset and one of the more likely upsets that we see this weekend if it happens. Uh, Josh, we'll let you go, and then we'll let Toby finish it. For me, I mean, you said it right, you know, but I think the biggest one would have to be the uh, Packers and the Seahawks. I think that the Seahawks can do it, and then there's a history to prove that they can. You know, granted, though, this is a better defense for the Packers that they've had in quite a while. But throughout this season, you could just tell that sometimes you get two different Packers defenses. You get the ones that, you know, are locked down corners and produce turnovers, and you got the ones that just open up like a floodgate and just let the running backs go straight through. While... The Seahawks have lost the last, like, two of their last three games in the regular season going into that playoff, into the playoffs. I just think that there's more. It's going to come down to if Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf can get on the same page fast and early. Because if you watch the Seahawks games, they start out sluggish, and then they finally get the ball rolling later into, like, the late second quarter into the final half of the game. 
So, and keep in mind, 31 of the 52 people, players on that roster have never been into a playoff game for the Packers. So experience is going to be key in this one. And remember, playoff games are different from regular season games. There's more riding on it, and it always has higher pressure. And I think the more experience the Seahawks have as a team is going to, is going to knock off the Packers in the Lambeau. All right, um, I, I'm going to go with the Texans as the biggest upset potential. Um, they played well against the Bills. The one thing that kept them in check was the Bills' defense. And I, I think the Chiefs have a better defense than they had a year ago, but they're not on the same level as the Bills are. So uh, Houston has a chance of taking advantage of the mobility of Deshaun Watson and their big receiver uh, in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I don't, or I think Will Fuller is not back this week either. So they're missing one speed guy um, to go deep to, but they still have Kenny Stills. Um, they got to figure out their running game a little bit more than they did against the Bills, but I think it's easier against the Chiefs defense than it was against the Bills defense. So for me, with what they showed, especially in the second half, of course, you got to say. Josh Allen wasn't really there in that second half of uh, last week's game. But against the Chiefs, um, the Texans, with a strong offensive showing, they can keep up with them. All right, and that was our last things for our topics today. And now we are getting on to the final part of this podcast, and that is our predictions for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So still, Toby is still one game ahead of me in the standings, and Josh has slightly uh, reduced his deficit, and he's now only seven games behind Toby. So, Josh could. How pull many off games the are left in this season? You, you could, yeah, you could tie it. Could <laughs> potentially. <laughs> I just gotta oh, get that ain't gonna happen on my right. watch, boy. You ain't doing that. Nothing new. No. Okay. So, first game we have. The Saturday afternoon game between the Minnesota Miracle Vikings and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, one of my, I think that's probably going to be one of my favorites. Uh, I think these two Saturday games are like really, really fun to watch. I can't wait to watch these. Uh, I'm going to go first with my picks because uh, I always let you guys go first. I'm going to do first this time. So this is a very close one for me. Uh, but I think that the defense we're going to see from the 49ers is a lot better than the defense we're going to see from what the Saints gave. Quan Alexander got activated. Yeah, and Alexander yeah. and a few others got activated. So they're going to be back to almost full strength uh, on that defense. So that's very pivotal for them, especially in stopping that run game. And the injury to Adam Thielen as well has him questionable for Saturday as well. So we don't know if he's going to be back. So, given that the 49ers are going to be a little bit healthier than the Minnesota offense will be, and I don't anticipate the Vikings dominating the offensive line, the defensive line, the same way as they did with the Saints, I think the 49ers will actually be able to run the football more consistently, and they'll be able to move the ball relatively easy. Uh, the 49ers, I believe, will win this game in San Francisco, so give me the 49ers. 
Uh, Toby, we'll let you go first. All right. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I'm also going with the 49ers here. Um, I think uh, the Vikings, despite, I mean, I, I'm basically going to repeat what you already said, but the Vikings, I, fluke might be the wrong word, but they they looked stronger against the Saints, I believe, with the week showing the Saints had than uh, they are. And against San Francisco, I think we're going to see a lot more of how strong the Vikings really are. Um, and with how, well, non-dominating the score looked at the end against the Saints, I think it's going to be a tough one for the Vikings and I'm going to do the same thing here as I did last week. I'm going to do my odds with my predictions this week. Again, I'm, I'm going with the spread here, uh, for, uh, the favorite with the San Francisco 49ers by seven points, the odds minus minus one ten. Josh, I believe Lizzo said it right. New man on the Minnesota Vikings. That new man is Dalvin cook. I think he's going to be the guy that carries them past the Niners. Give me the Vikings in the upset. All right. We got our first one. Didn't take very long. All right. So next game we have the almost as fun one for this. Uh, it is Saturday night between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. So I have the Ravens in this one. Uh, I know that I said that the biggest upset alert could be Tennessee, but like I said, it, like I kind of sneaked in there that Lamar Jackson's just a breed that I don't know if there's a lot of teams that can prepare for that. So I'm going with the Ravens here. I think it'll be a close one, but I, I ultimately think the Ravens are going to pull this one out. Uh, Josh. You see, this... He's not going to do it. He can't do it. He can't. There's... Josh, what do you? I know, I'm thinking. I'm going over in my head. <laughs> He's going over. Right. His head. Okay, here, here, here. Hold on, hold on. We're gonna go with Toby here. We're gonna give Josh a few more seconds to think about it. Toby, go ahead with yours. All right. Um. Well, my I'm also going with the Ravens here. Uh, the only thing that has me concerned a little bit is uh, if Mark Ingram can play in that game. Um, it's a big question mark. Uh, right now with his injury um but i believe like you said Derek, with lamar jackson i think they can cope with it they still have uh gus edwards as the backup uh running back um i i think their defense is strong enough uh to keep the titans in check um so outright i'm going with the uh ravens with the spread i think it's gonna be a close one uh i i think the spread is pretty well placed the Baltimore Ravens are the favorite by nine and a half um I think I'm going with the Ravens here or it's uh 110 again minus 110 all right Josh had a few more seconds all right yep let me go get something really quick I know what he's doing all right I'm gonna put it down because I already know what he's picking all right let me show you let me show you this ready Uh I'm, I'm ready this is the championship belt I made uh, yep. for uh, winning my family league. You want to know how I got that? 
Yeah, he threw Derrick Henry, and I'm taking the Titans. He got me my first fantasy championship. I got him running the rest of the way through the playoffs. Give me the Titans. If I lose this Saturday's games because Josh wants to be playing hero ball, I'm gonna go to BG and I'm gonna kick your ass. Just, just reminding you of that. But anyway, so Toby and I are going with the favorites in this, and Josh is taking the underdogs in both games. So we may see yep. two upsets Saturday night. Who knows? But anyway, moving on to the Sunday afternoon game between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. I am going with the Chiefs here. I know that we have continuously stated that the Kansas City Chiefs are not very good defensively, especially against the run. But... I think the Chiefs, now that they have Mahomes back and Mahomes playing the way that we know Mahomes can, I, I just think that this will be a shootout and ultimately the Chiefs will come out on top. So give me the Chiefs with this. Uh, Josh. All right. I honestly believe that the Texans will win because... The Chiefs just don't have a defense. I mean, you got them at Mahomes, but you don't have a defense. And that's and the Texans already beat them in the regular season. That's a good slogan. You got a Mahomes, you just don't have you just don't got a defense. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, you that's gotta, a good you slogan. You got to get a defense for that for my Mahomes over there. But you know, <laughs> you just I get I'm taking the Texans because they already beat them once and they seem like the more complete team. All right, Toby. They got no defense, but they got a Mahomes. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs here. Um, I said the Texans might be an upset here. Um, I just think in the end, uh, Patrick Mahomes is a little bit too much to handle for them. Um, but I am going with the underdog in the spread here. Uh, Houston or the Kansas City Chiefs are the favorite by nine and a half points. I'm going with a Houston here. The odds are minus 110 as well. All right. And our last game, Toby, we're either really screwed after this weekend with Josh. Yeah. <laughs> or we're soaking in victory. But anyway, uh, last game, the Sunday evening game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Now, the one knock we've always had on Seattle this year is they have not been very good against the run when they've played teams. So the Green Bay Packers have found a new running attack this year behind Aaron Jones and a few others. They've been able to make things work offensively on the run. They've kind of had to given some of the wide receiver injuries they have faced this year. So they've had to rely on their running game a lot. So I think the Packers will do that. And the Packers have a very active defense that I think will create some problems for Russell Wilson. So give me the cheese heads for this game. All right, Toby, and, you go. Yeah, Toby. All right. Yeah. Um, the, the Packers are already asking for volunteers to shovel the snow off the field before the game. So... They're in for for a 
big running game. And as Derek said, the Seahawks haven't been particularly good against the run. And I'll take Aaron Jones uh, over beast mode all day right now. So, yeah, uh, count me in for the Packers. I'm also taking them against the spread. They're the favorite by four and a half points, odds minus 110. Josh. You know. Don't you dare do what I think you're going to do. No. Hold on. I was just going to say I was going to take the Packers because there's no running backs other than Marshawn Lynch and just one other person for the Seahawks. Like you said, Toby, it's going to be a running going to be a running uh, game and having running backs that actually have speed and are used to that type of cold is going to help them so i'm going to take the uh rogers and the packers in this one all right he's so actually either, agreeing with us wow so either you guys are really screwed or i'm really screwed but at least i get one <laughs> if the packers win. <laughs> all right uh all right so that's it folks we have our predictions Toby and I picking the 49ers and Josh with the Vikings on the upset uh, and the Titans and the Ravens, Toby and I with the Ravens and Josh with the Titans and the Texans versus the Chiefs. We, Toby and I are going with the Mahomes and Josh is going with the defense and we all picked the Packers to win at Lambeau on Sunday as well. So Thank you guys so much again. We really appreciate you listening in to us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at T3DS underscore NFL. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to follow us and listen on Spotify. And as always, guys, peace. See ya. Later. Later.